Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Saturday Draft Live here on Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Uh, I'm Stephen Wilson and because my co-hosts are either jet-setting across the globe... Or, you know, just being lazy. I have a special guest for this uh, edition of the show. Uh, joining me is the one of the original uh, hosts of Saturday Draft Live. We have Scott McLeod here. Scott, how are you? I don't know, Stephen. You know, I made the offer to, to fill in for your co-host. Same way you offer someone a chip off your plate. Deep down, you secretly hope they say no. But here I am anyway. Yes, thank you for joining me, Scott. Thank you for filling in. And we hopefully will have um, one of the Ayrshire pair back next week. Uh, I don't think we'll have Dave unless he wants to um, remotely join us from Japan. You know, uh, who knows? Maybe we could have SDL outside of Tokyo, though. <laughs> that'd, that'd be absolutely something. But we, we go on, we go on, and we go to our top scorers of the week. It's actually one of the lowest scoring um, weeks we've had in terms of... Um, how the individuals have done, but uh, Scott will just amalgamate them into one. We have um, three members of the Judgment Day in the top three. <clears throat> Once again, Damien Priest, Finn Balor, and Rhea Ripley. It's um, it's Judgment Day of Mania, I think, in the draft this season. Oh yeah, we you look at that. Even though like you said, it's a lower scoring week for them, like they did still like win back the tag team titles, which is why Balor and Priest are, are so high up and. Even look at the top ten of the season overall. It's like it's the top three are Judgment Day, and then there's the Fowlers there at number five. So they're just dominating the season as they did last season. Like Rhea Ripley was a big part in helping me win the draft in the first place, and obviously everyone has seen that dominance continue and made sure to get the Judgment Day in very quickly. I know I got JD McDonough quite late in the the selection, and he's not officially part of Judgment Day, but I knew he was associate himself with the Judgment Day and he seems to be popping up on whatever shows they're on and they're on pretty much every show so I may, I may not be scoring as highly with JD as, as we will have those other members of Judgment Day but just by people being in their vicinity their score is also boosted mm-hmm. Yeah I mean JD's got about 28 points I think which isn't as much as the rest of them but he's not really been, <clears throat> he's the guy who loses a lot more than the, the the rest of the Judgment Day, but yeah, as you mentioned, it's been some pretty impressive uh, scoring from the Judgment Day so far this season. Dominic Mysterio, the top scorer on the full season, with seventy-seven and a half. 
you got Rhea Ripley on 73.5, Damien Priest 72, you know, and then Finn Balor on 65. I mean, it's absolutely crazy scoring. I mean, how long do you foresee this level of scoring going with the Judgment Day? Because as you mentioned, I think David Campbell made the joke. It's like, to someday, it's like it's a four-day working week for them because they're absolutely everywhere. As you mentioned, NXT, the Dom being there, you know, the tag titles that can be on SmackDown now. I mean, do you think this will be something we probably see into maybe WrestleMania? I think so because though there was all that reporting about WWE seeing them as kind of Raw's answer to the to the Bloodline, or they're all over the the show. We've seen in the past they're Dom the Bloodline can be like having Nusos on your as your tag team back when they were. And that big long reign as undisputed tag team champions could have been a, a big boost. And I think this will contain, especially if you've got Rhea or Priest. Because Rhea, I think, is going to hold that women's world belt till WrestleMania. I think where the plan is supposedly her versus Becky Lynch. And Priest has also got the cash in. If you've got him on your team, if he hasn't cashed in yet, the points you get for a successful cash in him becoming the world champion would be a great boost as well. And especially, I don't think it's going to slow down this season because obviously the culmination of, of this season is Survivor Series and War Games. And it either like, I think it's a safe bet that the Judgment Day will be involved in that. Yeah, I don't think the split's happening until then, and hopefully the cash-in's not happening from then, because let's be honest, if the cash-in happens, uh, David Campbell will be running away with things. Um, speaking of David Campbell, Bowman, the only thing separating the Judgment Day and the top scorers of the season is the acclaim just scissoring their way through in the middle, just there on 68 points. But... Uh, we'll move away then from the top scorers and we will go on to the table at the moment now as I mentioned the, the top might be a bit uh, of a foregone conclusion currently but the bottom is not there's a tight race going on for that relegation yes this season as a reminder whoever comes in last will be relegated for the season to the listeners league and we have Andy Mitchell at the bottom right now 166 points with the Glasgow University Cricket Club that's what you get for going to Glasgow Uni Uh Callum Bennett's one point ahead of him with follow James Bear underscore one on Twitter. And then eight points ahead, we've got uh, Gary with Team Visitor. Uh, and Ross is on 180 points with FT Arsehole. And then just ahead of them is Ryan Douglas, who was bottom for so long. has had a great few weeks. And with a Neo Sky title win last night, he's captain put him on 187 points. Scott, do you think it's one of these five? Or do you think it's maybe less than that is going to be in contention for relegation? No. I think it's definitely coming into Callum and uh, Andy at this point uh, for the relegation. I mean, Andy Mitchell, like the idea of him being relegated, he's one. He's a person who would, would probably be the least bothered about it because after him, you don't realise like a week. A lot of people in this draft like care about every detail, you know, especially fucking David Campbell when he's winning. But Andy Mitchell feels like someone who wouldn't give a fuck. He just stroll into that others league like, right? I've been here before. But I've done this draft before. I'll just, and he'll just fucking run the show, whereas Callum Bennett, I think, would be more of a hit to him if he went down. If Gary Kernahan somehow went down, I don't foresee it happening. The guy would have to have a really poor performance towards the end of the season for that really to happen. But if Gary Kernahan went got relegated, I think, I don't think there'd be anything to stop the tears for David Campbell. I think Gary was bottom at one point, and then he had the, the that couple of weeks just there with Cody, uh, winning the tag team titles and it gave him a bit of a boost but obviously now Cody and Jay losing the titles again uh, it might not be as smooth sailing uh, up to the top half of the, well, the upper half of the league we've got Elliot Cantor uh, with May Young's son on 196.5 points with uh, Jack Graham uh, half a point ahead of him with a million ways to fuck up the draft uh, David Hockney uh, as we mentioned he's in Japan and it's a six star performance at the moment well not quite uh, as he's in sixth 
Uh, yeah, that worked out well enough. Uh, West Ham with the West End Country Club on 201 and a half points. Then we've got myself uh, with Different Smuts Evil Incorporated on 213 and a half points. Grant McRobbie, 224, probably the success story of this season. Sorry, David Campbell. Uh, with Roll to Draft in fourth. He's just two points behind, behind you, Scott, with the David Faulkner Better Wi Fi Fund. And then we have the top two, which seem to be the top two of their own, even though there's a sizable gap between them. Uh, Tom Brock has got uh, a platypus paid, the platypus on 264 points, and then 42 and a half points ahead of him is Team Goat, David Campbell, 306 and a half points. He has got his best ever score, Scott, in a draft, as he told us. He made sure to tell us uh, before we went on air, uh, with six weeks of the season still to go. Uh, can, can he be stopped? <laughs> no, 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 he can't. <laughs> this will be the point where uh, future historians will look back and say, "See, this was a point where they really should have stepped in, but they were too late at this point to stop him." Uh, he's in rarefied air, I think, to to be in like a three hundred point range. I don't think that happens too often. Like the best chances of it happening are in the longer seasons, like this one, or well, this one is even that long, but like. The transfer window season, you can see someone going to 300. But I think a big thing with this one is people been talking about how long, much longer it feels than it is because bloody AEW in particular decided to pack extra pay per views into this period and plus the Saudi show plus NXT. That feels like there's a fucking big show, big points every other weekend. Uh, David is uh, currently forecast to get 460 points. If he gets that, that will be the all time record score in the draft. Uh, beating some transfer window seasons. You know, my um, first ever transfer window season from season five, pretty much 13 seasons ago, so three years ago, near enough, could be beaten. It's the one thing I cling on to in this bombing draft at the moment that I have the highest ever score. If I lose that to David Campbell, there's pretty much no point in doing anything anymore. It's just the, the game's a bogey at that particular point. Uh <laughs> So we mentioned there was the Listeners League just there, and uh, we also the Listeners League is not quite as competitive as it usually is, Scott. But uh, our top five contains two former winners of the Listeners League: uh, Ross Brady with Carrie and Crossgo. He's on three hundred and four points currently, uh, sixteen and a half points ahead of him. Though is Adam Callier with Reach for the Daily Stars uh, on three hundred twenty and a half points. Uh, we've got Alora May with Only Prince. She's on 327 points. Uh, two fantastic names, though, I've got to say. Are our top two in the listeners' league. I'll, I'll get your thoughts on this one more than anything. Uh, Jonathan Napier, Back to the Future Endeavours. He's on 352.5 points, but 19.5 points ahead of him. Still top, even though Jonathan uh, clawed the points back by two this week. We've got Johnny Adam, Dark Side of the Onion Ring. On 372 <laughs> points. I mean, yeah, I got to love when a, a, a creative name wins the listeners league. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, you want the more creative names in the top five because it's more fun to read out. But, you know, I don't big up the listeners league names like David Hockney always used to. Like, oh, that's a great name. Well, there's some brilliant names here. Like, Dave, we don't want these these people who are listeners league competitors. We don't want them to get above their station. <laughs> I mean, Johnny Adam, he's got some potential. Uh, he's been doing similar to what David Campbell has. He's got the acclaimed as his tag team, so um, that seems to be helping him roll with that. And Dominic Mysterio and Becky Lynch as well. So the combination of that is interesting. The acclaimed were only picked by three uh, members of the Listeners League, and two of them are in the top two: uh, Johnny Adam and obviously Jonathan Napier. So it just shows when you get somebody like that, 
who makes an absolute killing. I mean, 13 people picked the Street Profits, and the Street Profits has not really worked out too much for them. So, yeah, it's, it's all about... It's interesting in these type of long seasons just how things can change, you know. You know, people thought the Street Profits were in for a massive push, and we might be seeing that now, but it's not quite getting there. Uh, yes. so it's... Uh, you think they acclaimed they'll be top property again? They think they, they think they'll last to, to to pretty much round four like next season. Is that if they have the belt still on them? Uh, well, they got events coming. I think it's, I think it's tomorrow night after collision. There's a battle of the belts. They got one coming. I think it's like the MV two point and Daniel Garcia something like that. Uh, so they got defense there, and then you got a pay per view coming up. So really depends because there doesn't seem to be a lot for them in terms of competition in the, in the trios division. Which, if you've got them on your team, is a good sign for them to like hold on to the belts and keep you know the championship points when they get some easier wins. So I think it's a weaker series. is a week after full gear, so they put them past full gear. They'll keep that momentum going. They might have the momentum at the start of uh, next the following season, but they might still lose the belts there. But even if they lose, they're still always regular on TV, and they'll give them some wins after that to build them back up, like when they lost the tie titles. Uh, last year I think it was so and plus even if they lose them next, they don't carry it all the way through next season next season's a shorter season anyway so they'll give you a momentary boost uh, at the start of uh, the severity of rumble season because mm. at this point like like I say like, there's not really many teams for them to beat they're beating random teams on collision who don't, who don't even get barely even get entrances they're pulling in random teams from Japan for a wrestle team for them to beat so well, I think they've already even beaten 2.0 at some point in this reign, so if they're already beating opponents, then it's a case of they don't have a lot of competition for them. Yeah, I know that uh, Tony Khan's uh, definition of who merits a trio's tag title shot is getting frustrating, because <laughs> obviously they're on David Campbell's team, and literally I feel like I wake up every Saturday morning or every Sunday morning after collision to bomb in some sort of scissor picking reference, you know, but it's, yeah, it's Get your, head, get your head together, Tony. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're killing me here. Uh, we also have the Listeners League Cup uh, quarterfinals going on. That's uh, the, the first week of scoring is that. It's a three-week scoring, so uh, in the next couple of weeks, we'll give a little bit more detail on the quarterfinals of the Listeners League Cup. But, Scott, obviously, you're our guest. And, and whenever we have guests on Saturday Draft Live, we tend to analyse their team in a bit more detail so you obviously third place in the table before I actually talk about your team you obviously won last year's you won yeah. season 17 of the draft which meant that you drafted last in that type of snake draft type of setup that we now have uh, could you give it out like how you found drafting in that position because I think that's the first time you drafted last in a snake draft yeah I think so I've been towards the bottom like, I've been like 14th before, when we had like, used to have like the massive ones, but I think there's at least one or two people behind me there, so I don't think I've ever done last before. Uh, I mean, it wasn't too dissimilar this night after when you're at the front or at the the end, because eventually you're gonna get a point where like you get two picks and then you feel like you're waiting forever and seeing all these great picks going when you. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. 
Play it now with Game Pass. When while you're waiting, but the only different main difference is like when you're first, you can you can try and get a great pick outright, like what I did with Weir Ripley last season when I picked first. And on the other end, you're trying to just grab picks that maybe people have forgotten about or maybe didn't think were worth the first round. So you can get your first and second in. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to hit this person before anyone else can get it, before they can even, just as they think maybe people have forgotten them, I'm going to get this person as well. So it wasn't as stressful. I think there was a bit, I think there's a bit too much pressure uh, when you're picking for first. You're like, oh God, like, I need to not fuck up You know, the opportunity of picking for first. Whereas if you're picking for last, people know there's not much chance of you winning anyway. Even I didn't think I'd be in this position from picking last, so I think it's much easier to pick last because I don't think people expect you to make the, as great decisions. No, definitely. I think um, when you're at the bottom there, you kind of just you can kind of roll with it, and it's quite good that you get the kind of back-to-back picks without waiting too long. I mean, the thing with first is you'll get a back-to-back pick, but you have to wait like 16 folks sometimes to get to that point. So to have that kind of quite early on is not too bad. Uh, you started it off, you went with Adam Cole and then you made the decision to go for Chris Statlander. Now, at the time uh, of, of the draft in the Adam Cole and the uh, MGF feud was really, really hot and a lot of people were surprised that you didn't go with the two of them as singles together. Was that something that came in your mind or were you kind of concerned that if you didn't get Statlander there, you wouldn't get it at all or you wouldn't get a strong female pick by the time it came back? I think I wanted to get what I thought would be a strong male pick and a strong female pick just right off the bat, and it didn't really. I don't think it really matters like what order you put them in, round one or two, given that you get to put them back to back. But I didn't really like the idea of picking both Cole and MJF. Like I originally wanted to get them as a tag team, but I didn't know how many Ring of Honor tag defenses after they won them they would get because part of me thought they would lose them pretty much immediately, and I didn't like the idea of picking them both as singles picks because then they had to face each other. And then I don't know what was going to happen with the team following that. I kind of hedged my bets into what one I thought was going to win at Wembley. In my head, it made sense for Adam Cole to win. So I hedged my bets on him, put the captaincy on him. Yes, he didn't win, but he did win the tie titles earlier that night at Wembley. And then they had a title defence at All Out a week later, so the pay-per-view points. I made up those pay-per-view points quite quickly. In hindsight, yes, I do believe I should have picked MJF out of the two, given that he's still around. Plus, he said defences of the the world title as well as the tag team titles so hindsight is a funny thing but Chris Statlander trying to think of strong female picks I know again it was two AEW picks right off the bat but as we've seen AEW's putting out more content in the last season or so so there's more AEW like opportunities for points and plus I was hoping to continue this run that she was she started at the end of last season because she came in right around about the transfer window period and started off this run of constantly defending the TBS belt and I tried to hunt, jump on that and try and keep those regular title defences going like we, what it used to be the case when you ever you had the TNT champion, but with a bit more stability of not as many constant title changes because Jade was often good because you knew she was never going to lose, but her defences were always so much more infrequent. Mm, yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, in Chris Statland, I mean, she's the fourth best female pick of the season so far. Only Rhea Ripley, Sky, and Becky Lynch have done better from the females from people in the obviously at the time of the draft uh, the, well Rhea and Eo were already picked by the time I got to you and Becky don't think MD would even be who picked Becky would have first seen her having an NXT women's title reign so that was um, yeah. Statlander probably was a good punt on that one uh, tag team uh, Darby Allen and Sting now as a tag team who tend to win anytime they're on pay-per-view they don't really seem they don't get on TV all that often 
was it just a case of not too many options available left at that particular point, or did you always have these two in mind at some point when you were obviously thinking of who you were going to pick? Before I say that, first uh, we'll go back to Stanley this year, number seven in the top ten of the season overall, only four and a half points behind Becky. But in terms of the tie team, that's the other thing in hindsight I should have changed because I think I knew they'd get a win at Wembley in the coffin match, and I didn't think much else other than that. I'll be honest with you, I was kind of blinded on that one. Uh, But it seems to be the way with me, and that even in seasons that I win, uh, the tag team is always something I I rarely, if ever, get really like spot on. I rarely get the best tag team pick. The really rare occasion that I did do that was when I got Miz and Morrison in season four, because they were a big part of helping me win alongside Shana Baszler. But it's very rare that I guess I make the best decision when it comes to tag teams. And looking at the field and everything, I can't. I was only afterwards that I went back on who was picked in what round and I realised that the acclaimed were available. I remembered that the acclaim were available uh, when I was picking Darby and Sting. So obviously in hindsight, knowing that there was probably going to, they were probably going to do some of them in the trios belts at Wembley because I heard the rumours. Yeah, in hindsight, I should have picked the acclaimed because I think I would be closer to Tom Brock if I'd picked, if I picked either MJF instead of Cole or the acclaimed instead of Darby and Sting. If I picked at least one of them rather or even both, I'd be much closer to Tom Brock. If you'd uh, picked the acclaimed, it would have definitely been tighter, because obviously David wouldn't have had the acclaimed, and then obviously that brings it more into the field and it brings you up, so I think it would have been quite tight between the three years at that point in the table. Yeah, and like I said, nobody could have foreseen and injuries can't be foreseen, like people getting released can't be really foreseen, like and yeah, like Becky, like they went after I'd picked Statlander, but then again, like nobody, forced, nobody at the start seemed with say, I think no, I think it's gonna happen. I think Becky, I'm just gonna go back to NXT and uh, and win the title. I don't think anyone thought that was gonna happen. But still, even with the team that I've got, I keep looking at the top the top ten and see myself in third for most of the season. And everyone and people like David, like how is this? Happening? How is he sticking around? And they're like, and I know I've got Grant coming up to me. I'll be honest with you, if Grant overtakes me, I won't be arsed. Because I didn't think I was going to win. Even No one is more surprised to see how high I've been ranked than me, especially after Cole's injury. And, you know, if I go down to fourth or fifth, it's still a better performance, A, from me that I put in after winning a season, because I always do shit the secret season after I've won one. Then again, so do most people after the win. So as time with David Campbell, this might be one of the best you know, what defending seasons ever. Yeah, I think when you're defending, it's just a case of being competitive. You know, you can't really do too much. Obviously, the snake draft kind of helps uh, bring the field together a bit more. It kind of evens the playing field a bit more because obviously if you draft last without the snake draft, then you're kind of getting scraps at points. But I do think you've been helped as well by um, having Eli, Dra- Eli Dragunov as well in your team. I yeah. think he's a, he was an absolute steal in round three. I think he's actually the... Or where is he in this kind of order? But he's the second best round three. Prick Trick Williams has now gotten ahead of him. That's typical that Trick Williams is now doing well for Ryan after weeks of us slagging that pick. Uh, what would your um, what did you foresee Dragonoff doing this season? Did you foresee that um, NXT title win, or did you think he'd be someday who's going to be on the main roster and having some solid, solid kind of undercard uh, program? So obviously, after Cole got injured, I had to move the captain. You're going to be a hammer to Statlander. And while Statlander may be doing well overall, I think at the time, 
it was like No Mercy Wrestle Dream Weekend. So on the Sunday, I watched No Mercy. I watched it the next day. Saw the dragon up on the belt, and I chose to switch the captain's state to him because I knew the next day being Monday would be when it came to effect. Because I wouldn't be able to watch Wrestle Dream uh, like until the Monday, so I didn't want to wait ages for the captain to come into effect. And honestly, of the two, I thought I thought there was actually a chance that Statland would lose at Wrestle Dream because they were big enough buddy Julia Hart's how long it had been since she'd taken a loss, so I didn't want to hedge my best. Put the captain's sale in Statland, and then she loses the bloody belt. But <laughs> seeing that Dragon I've actually had a title now. I thought he was the best one to put the captain's on in. I had, I think I kind of had an inkling that he might win the belt because he did the match at uh, Great American Bash. They were questioning the finish of it, and then he kept dancing around the title scene, getting wins on TV, beating Trick Williams in a match, and kind of teasing he was going to get the match with Carmel. Then when I saw that he'd beat uh, Wesley this season, I thought he's definitely winning the belt. They wouldn't have a main event two takeovers in a row, or two XTPLEs, whatever the fuck you like to call them. Uh, in a row and not win one and then he won and then not long after I put the captaincy on him he defends the title on TV successfully against buddy Dominic Mysterio and now he's got another match against Carmel coming up at Halloween Havoc mm-hmm. Oh yeah it's a good pick I, I did think there was going to be something from it I just didn't obviously foresee you know him Carmelo dropping it at the time but yeah I, I think it's a a really, really good pick to have him. And the uh, final one, we talked about J.D. McDonough earlier on, the final one I just want to mention is obviously Blair Davenport. She seems to be a decent regular pick, uh, regular appearance on NXT right now. She's the sixth best uh, in the round five picks. Uh, I personally don't think you could have got a better women's pick at that particular point, mm-hmm. other than maybe Lila Valkyra. But even then, I think she might lose the title. Do you think that's a fair thing to say? Probably, yeah. I think, you know, it was kind of a coin flip at that point. I actually did want Roxanne Perez at that round, but a couple of weeks before me, I think she got picked. So kind of, I tried to find someone else who might be in and around the title scene. And even though I think at the time Tiffany Strand was still the champion, I knew that even though Blair was a heel and Tiffany was a heel, that Blair seemed to play was, would be in and around the title scene because she did stuff with Roxanne Perez when she came out. She's doing stuff with Gigi Dolan, you know. They're keeping her in and around the title scene. They had her in that big Magic Worlds collide when she was first around before she disappeared for a while. And she came back with the whole angle of, I'm the one taking people out. So clearly they wanted to bring her back and keep her. They want, I don't maybe they not want to put the belt on her just yet, but they want to keep her in the conversation, it seemed like. So I thought like there'll be at least you know regular TV appearances there. And basically for a late round women's pick, I basically didn't want to make the same mistakes I made last season with Candice LeRae, basically. And try to get someone at least who most likely will get me at least more points than Candice got me. And then, well, she was technically on the pre show, but just by winning that No Mercy, Blair's already doing better than Candice Lee ever did. It's a really solid team. It's done exactly what it says in the tin. It's averaging really, really strong at about 37. And as from Rafton, where you came from, I don't think there's really too much more that you could have done to do that. Uh, any final things you want to say about your team before we wrap up? Uh, like I said, there's obviously in hindsight, the things, certain decisions could have been made better, like the Adam Cole thing or a better tag team. But again, I think the Adam Cole MJ thing was a flip of the coin. I tried to hedge my bets on the one I thought might walk it away with the bill. And uh, I wasn't the only one, obviously, that night who thought Adam Cole might win. Obviously, I was sat two seats along from the biggest Adam Cole fan in the world, David Hockney, watching that main event. But I think it's not a team, a team that will win me a back-to-back season, but it's a team that will keep me competitive 
as the defending like season champion, which is you know I think the best I can ask for. And you know, I think it's a good it's good to have one. Uh, I think it's good that I'm doing well from with this team because I seem to have teams that a lot of people say that looks shit on paper, and yet they do they do me the best performance wise because looking at my team with a transfer window last season, a lot of people didn't think I had a winning team. And for the most part, Rhea carried and everything. But without the uh, transfer window last season, my team on paper probably wouldn't have won me the season. But I think we'd do better with teams that on paper you think like, oh, he might not. He he's probably not going to win this season. Well, um, you definitely won't have Andy handing you a wee favour midway through the season by getting rid of yeah. Candice Lerae for you, but <laughs> and giving you Chris Jericho when he's in a a decent program on TV. But hey ho, that's what this is. But yeah, that has been. This week's episode of Sat on the Draft Live. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, then please feel free to hit the subscribe button. You can hear us every week along with our content. Uh, we've got ESSR Central. We've got our feature shows now regularly back on the, the network, so you can get them. And you can also hear, if you're a fan of Japanese wrestling, uh, you can hear Scott and Grant as well. They have an episode of East Meets West that was out this week, uh, following all things going on in that promotion. Uh, so yeah, please subscribe to get to, so you can hear that. Uh, and also, if you wanted to take part in the draft and uh, the listeners league going forward, we've got the the new season of that starting after Survivor Series. So please let us know if you want to take part in that. Scott, thanks for taking the time this Saturday morning to join me and fill in the gap that my co-host left. It has been decidedly average to join you today, Stephen. Ah, usually it is. We were out drinking last night. I'll take surprisingly average for a show after <laughs> after Steins. I think it's fair to say. Mm. So. Yeah, but I've been Stephen Wilson, and we will catch you next week. Have a good one. Sports Social Podcast Network. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.